And I want to read three verses of Scripture in Exodus chapter 9. I'll begin reading with verse 14. And I think probably most of us would understand the scene. Moses, God tells Moses that I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him something. And we'll see that in just a moment. But here... In this passage of Scripture, you know, Israel has been in Egyptian bondage for over 400 years. You know, the, the sons of Jacob went down and, oh, what a beautiful story that is. And this is not the message, and I don't really have time to tell it, but I almost want to weep when I think about this. You know, here the, here the sons of Jacob go down, the sons of Israel, they go down to Egypt and, and Joseph has become a very powerful man and, and uh, they go to Joseph and, and uh, he's basically feeding the world. Joseph is a type of Christ, of course, and, and he, is, he is the savior of the world. And uh, here, Jacob's sons, Israel's sons, go down their, to, to their brother who they don't even know. And I think about that passage in Zechariah, I believe it's chapter 14. And uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the children of Jacob will say uh, to the Lord, they'll say, what are these wounds in your hands? And see, they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. But one day, one day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to reveal Himself, uh, and He's going to be known by Israel. But anyway, uh, 400 years, uh, Joseph dies, all his brethren die, and they're now in Egyptian bondage, and they're serving with rigor, the Bible says. And so, God raises up Moses, and Moses, this is what God said, in verse 14, Exodus chapter 9, verse 14, For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people. This is God speaking through Moses to Pharaoh. And he said this, I'm going to do these things, that thou may knowest that there is none like me in all the earth. Verse 15, For now I will stretch out mine, my hand that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Let's bow our heads and make our prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for the dear Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, for Independent Baptist Church. And we thank you, Father, for our, these different ministries. And we just thank you for the opportunity to serve you. Lord, I, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts in this conference and tonight about what, what you have for us what we have yet to do. And I pray, Father, that we might uh, uh, understand that we're all part of the team and that you have one mission. And it's that everyone on earth know who you are. So, Lord, thank you, Father, for the part that we've been able to have. And I pray, Father, that you'd increase our faith. And I pray that you'd use us even in a greater way for your glory. Speak to our hearts. 
We love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he said in verse 16, at the end of that verse, that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Well, according to Forbes magazine in 2016, the following brands were the most recognized names throughout the entire world. I think you'll recognize every one of them. Apple, Google, Microsoft, Coca-Cola, Facebook, Toyota, IBM, Disney, McDonald's, and General Electric. The name Coca-Cola, for instance, is a household word in many languages throughout the world, with the exception of a few stubbornly communist countries and the most remote backwaters and villages. It's a household name. It's been a thriving, the Coca-Cola company has been a thriving phenomena for more than 125 years. And you say, well, preacher, how could the name Coca-Cola have anything to do with the pro proclamation of the name above all names? Well, this. Um, the answer is in a classic ad in the Coca-Cola Museum that exists in Atlanta, Georgia. I've never been there. Don't really have any desire to go, but... I understand there is a poster, and some of you maybe have seen uh, the scene, but the poster shows several hands. Um, each one is, is clutching a, a green uh, glass bottle of Coca-Cola, and each one of those hands are ethnically different. And they're clutching this bottle of Coke in a manner of a toast, the clothing of each person uh, is also distinct from different parts of the world. And the caption at the bottom of the poster says this, and it completes the thought. It says, to the community, to the country, to the world. The name Coca-Cola has reached around the world because those in its foundations in the beginning saw the importance of getting that name into every community every nation, and into every language. Now, we know this, in the Hebrew tradition, names uh, uh, were thought to reveal something decisive of the character of the person being named, or to convey something important about the one being named. And the name of God was very important to the Israelites, and so it was often incorporated into personal names. For instance, uh, Abijah means God is his father. Elijah, and that's, this is one of my favorite Bible characters, means my God is Yahweh, or my God is Jehovah. And Jonathan means gift of Yahweh. So I want us to see here tonight that... that God is telling Pharaoh that I'm going to bring upon you all these plagues. I'm going to do all of these things. And the reason that I'm going to do... And in fact, Pharaoh, I've even raised you up. And I'm going to judge you because I'm going to show in thee, in you, my power. So that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. I mentioned it in my prayer, but let me say it again. This is an important meeting, I believe, because we're, we're here congregated uh, talking about uh, uh, listening to messages and presentations about reaching the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and proclaiming his name. God's only has, God, God's only got, I, I think maybe that might be bad English, but God has only one mission. It's called the Great Commission. And really, each and every one of us, uh, unique as we are, ought to realize that God has given me my uniqueness uh, and my ability so that I can reach other people. God's got something important for each and every one of us to do. You've heard the quote, not all believers are called to foreign missions, but all believers should struggle with the possibility. No, I would tell you that um, Brother Hazel Schwartz, I, I wanted to practice that name, and I wanted to impress them, but I, I almost blew it. You know, they won't get to Kenya if they don't have a lot of people helping them. It's not lost on me and it won't be lost on them the fact that there are people here that they sacrifice so that they can help send somebody to go. And that's all right and good. And by the way, I wouldn't support a missionary that wasn't involved in missions. Amen. I mean, supporting missions. I think that we all have a responsibility to give, and I think we all have a responsibility to go. I don't know where that may be, but you'll go places that I can't, and, and you'll help send people places where you can't, but we're a team. And everybody's contribution is important. And what is it that we want to do? What is it we want to do? We want to complete His mission. You say, Brother Rowe, what is His mission? Why are we talking about where to go? Harvest. Uh, you covered it up. But anyway, uh, the harvest. And it says, go ye into the, all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because God wants to be known. God wants people to know who He is. Alright. So that's His mission. Yahweh presents him, Himself as the God who wills to be known in this passage of Scripture. And so you say... I don't, I don't preach very much on what we call the Great Commission verses. There's nothing wrong with it. But this whole book is full of about the mission of God. And here, God tells Pharaoh, He said, Yea, I've raised thee up for to show in thee my power and that my name, that's mission right there, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. When God talks about throughout all the earth, my ears perk up, my antenna goes up. This is a missional book. Well, we don't have time uh, to go to uh, a lot of passages, but uh, just know this. If you start looking, you may not find a great commission verse in every uh, passage, in every verse, but I'll tell you, you will be amazed because God wants to be known. Yahweh, or Jehovah, is the personal name for God. It occurs over 5,300 times in the Old Testament. It means... God who is active and the self-existent one. He appeared to the other patriarchs, but he was not known to them as Yahweh in the deeper sense of that name as he was revealed to Moses. Back there when uh, Moses said, well, whom shall I, you're telling me to go and to tell them that 
uh, tell Pharaoh and to tell my tell our people, tell the tell the Israelites uh, uh, that they're going to leave Egypt. But whom shall I say sent me? And God said, Tell them that I am that I am, self-existent one. By the way, any any time you see the name God, Lord God, or Jehovah, or, uh, well, any time you see Lord God, or God, or Lord in all caps, it is Yahweh or Jehovah. Now, this drive for God to be known is is communicated in everything that He does. It's created to us in it's it's revealed to us that that He wants to be known in creation. The heavens declare the handy, the glory of God and 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 uh, the firmament His handiwork. Psalm nineteen one. Um, in Revelation, um, it says that um, God said that Jesus said, "Sanctify them through Thy word. Thy word is truth." And so God reveals Himself to us in His Word, and and He wants us to know Him. Do you know that God even saves us for His name's sake? If you were to go to 1 John, we won't go there, but 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12 says this, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Why did He save you? Well, He saved you for His name's sake. By the way, you know, He didn't save you so that you'd miss hell. Now, that's a, that's a nice byproduct. Amen. I mean, I know we're all happy about that. Because of the work that the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. And when we come to know Him as our Savior, you know, we, we escape hell. But He saved us to, to glorify Him and to make His name known. And one day, we're going to do what we were created to do. We're going to be around the throne and we're going to praise Him. We're going to glorify Him. We're, we're going to uh, sing His praises throughout eternity. Well, we also see that the Gentiles were a part of God's plan as well. That Gentiles as well as Jews were part of God's plan as He makes Himself known to them in the Exodus. If you'd look at Exodus chapter 9 and verse 20... It says, he that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. God says, I'm going to pour out all these plagues. And one of them was, uh, he's going to send a hailstorm and is going to destroy man and beast alike and, and all the, uh, not, all, not just the livestock, and, and, but all the crops and everything. And, and so anyway, it says, he that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants to pass inside. Go with me to verse 21. It says, And he that feared not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Go with me to chapter 12, just for a moment, and verse 38. It says, And a mixed multitude went up also with them in flocks and herds and very much cattle. So here's the mention of a mixed multitude. In other words, there were Jews and there were non-Jews or Gentiles that left Egypt. And so, go with me to chapter 12 and verse 48. And this makes uh, 
makes it very plain that strangers were included in the Passover. Look at it. It says, And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. In other words, there be one law for both of them. In other words, the stranger could be included in the Passover if he keep if 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 he would keep this one right and live as a Jew. And so there it is. God's always had a plan to include Gentiles. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was born a Jew, but His plan was to include all peoples. That's from the beginning. And so, if you go back to Exodus chapter 6, now we're going to look at God's mission statement. Exodus chapter 6. And let's go to verse 6. It says, Wherefore, God tells Moses, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, all caps, Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with, an, with a stretched out arm and great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob." And I will give it you for an heritage. I am the Lord. Now, three verses, and there are three things I, I want you to see that God promises uh, the Israelites. Number one, verse six. He said this. He said, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I'll read you out of their bondage. So, God says, I'm going to liberate you from the Egyptian yoke. I'm going to deliver you literally from the yoke of Satan. Second thing, verse 7. He says, and I will take uh, to you for me a people, and I will be to you a God. So God promises to enter into this people, the Jews, the Israelites. He promises to enter into a covenant relationship. He said, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your Father. You're going to be my people. Wow, that's pretty neat, isn't it? Truth of the matter is, uh, I think about the New Testament church, I think, wow, we're a bunch of highbrows, man. We're God's people. Amen? Well, look at verse 8. He says, And I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So he promises to bring their forefathers, a promise to their forefathers to bring them to a place of rest. Man, doesn't that sound familiar to you? I mean, you know, uh, we are His people uh, in this dispensation. We're, we're, we're His people. Uh, we have, have been promised that He's going to liberate us. He's liberated us from the bondage of Satan. Amen? And He's also promised us that uh, uh, if anyone would receive Jesus Christ, that He'd give us the, uh, the, the power to become uh, His sons. Amen? And so He's promised to enter in with us a covenant relationship. And then He's also promised to give us a place of rest. 
Well, that's pretty good. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rowe. Now, the only thing that Israel's going to have to do is they're going to have to come to know Yahweh as a result of these events. And so, we see here, one of the things that they're going to learn in Exodus chapter 15. If you go really to Exodus 20, the first commandment, what, what was the first commandment? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And then he said, Thou shalt not make into thee any graven image. Why? Because God's only, there's only one God. Uh, and uh, he wants to be known. And he doesn't recognize anybody else or anything else as God. And so, uh, Exodus 15, here's what they're going to learn about Yahweh, about Jehovah God. In Exodus 15, in verse 11, it said, uh, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? That's Moses. That, that's a rhetorical question. That is the song, I think that's the song of Moses, right? Right after they uh, crossed the Red Sea and... Uh, God drowned all the Egyptians. He destroyed them. He destroyed Pharaoh. And uh, um, I always liked the Ten Commandments, but they got that one way off, didn't they? Because Pharaoh, he, he perished in that too. Uh, but anyway, he said in verse 12, he said, Ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. So, they're going to come to know Yahweh. They're going to come to know Him as their God. And that's what God's desire is. And in verse, 15, or verse 11, Moses said, Who is likened to the O Lord among the gods? It's a rhetorical question. Well, there's nobody. Who is like thee, glorious in holiness? And uh, so we see here that uh, Yahweh is incomparable. He proved Himself to be superior to all the gods in Egypt. I mean, every one of those plagues was an attack against a particular Egyptian deity. I mean, they worshipped the sun, Ra, uh, the sun god, Ra. And what, what did God do? Well, He turned the whole land into darkness, amen? They worshipped the Nile River. Well, He turned it to blood. Uh, they worshipped, they even worshipped Pharaoh. And uh, so, Pharaoh loses his firstborn, his successor. And so, we see that God is has proved himself to be superior, and it's because Yahweh is incomparable. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? There's nobody. They're also going to find out in verse 18, it says that Moses, he says here in his psalm, he says, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. This is the first time it ever talks about God or the Lord reigning. There have been other kings... But Yahweh is different than other kings because if you look, uh, God tells them to be compassionate uh, to the helpless and to the, to the weak. I want to tell you that God is an advocate for the poor and the weak and the widow unlike other kings. Yahweh's reign is is noteworthy in that it is different that he is an advocate for the weak and the oppressed. And then we also see in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 39, and I want to go there real, just real quick and read Deuteronomy 4 and verse 39, where it tells us that Yahweh is unique. Yahweh is unique. Uh, not only is He incomparable, and not only is he king, and he's going to reign forever and ever. But, and not only is he an advocate for the weak and the oppressed, 
unlike other kings. But it says here, it says, Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, He is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. And over and over again, and we could go to the book of Isaiah, we see that God says, I am the Lord, and besides me, I am God, and besides me, I know none else. Now, God wants to be known. And we've got to bring it down here to the end, but the second thing I think is important that I want you to see is God... Yahweh acts for the sake of His own name and for His glory. If you go one time with me to Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel. Now that might be a little harder to find, but it's one of the major prophets. And it's after Jeremiah and Lamentations. Ezekiel chapter 20. We don't have time to read much of this chapter, but He said in verse 8, he's talking about his people. He says, they rebelled against me and they wouldn't hearken unto me. They didn't even forsake. He said, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen. In other words, what he's saying there, I didn't destroy my people even though they did keep their idols, even though they did make a golden calf. I didn't destroy them because I wrought for my name's sake. God's concern for his reputation And, of course, God kept His Word. In the wilderness, again, verse 13 says, The house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. Verse 14, But I wrought for my name's sake again, that it should not be polluted before the heathen in whose sight I brought them out. You see, God's concerned about the reputation of His name. Shouldn't we be? And shouldn't we desire that His name be declared among the heathen? Then, if you go to verse 26, in verse 22, he says he, he, he wrought for his name's sake again. Can I tell you that God allowed them to go into captivity? He allowed them to go into exile for his name's sake? He said in verse 26, I think this is a key thought. God does what he does that all may know who he is. Verse 26, he said, And I polluted them in their own gifts, and that they caused to pass through the fire all that openeth the womb, that I may make them desolate to the end, that they may know that I am the Lord. Now, if you would go with me over to Ezekiel 36. Basically, he said, um, in verse 21, he said, I had pity... Ezekiel 36, 21, But I have pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Now, you know, the Israelites were supposed to be a testimony for Yahweh, even in captivity. I can give you four notable examples, and there are more, but I can think of four right now in the book of Daniel. It was Daniel and the three Hebrews that were there. They were a testimony to Yahweh, weren't they? If you think about it, that's what God wanted. God wanted to be known. 
and even in judgment, expects his people to be his witness. Well, he said in verse 22, Therefore, thus saith, therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes. You see, we get the idea sometimes that it's all about us. Or it's all about them. No, it's about Him. He's got one mission, and that's to get His name out. And so, He said, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord. All caps. Saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. God did that, but He didn't do it for them. He did it for Himself. He did it for His namesake. Hey, I want to tell you that there may be a time when there's no United States. It doesn't matter as long as God... You know, God promised, the Lord Jesus Christ promised the perpetuity of the church, the, 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 the continuance of the church throughout the church until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back for His bride, that we're going to be here. And guess what, folks? We've got a, we've got a mission. It's to make His name known. No matter what happens, whatever happens, whatever comes, our mission is not changed. We're to make His name known. Let's don't lose our focus in these times. That's what we're to be doing. That's, 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 that's our mission, is to be His mission, to make Him known. Well, uh, I have another point, but I'm out of time. But let me just tell you what it is, that Yahweh entrusts His message of who He is to His people as a witness to all peoples. Isaiah 43. Verse 9, let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. And then he continues in verse 10, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen. He said in verse 11, I, even I am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. Now, we know, that we know this. We know that the Lord's human name is Jesus. Jesus meets all the qualifications because He is God. He is the Lord. And He is um, our God and our Savior for those that have trusted Him. But what is the responsibility of a witness? It's to faithfully tell all he knows. So, the conclusion is, if Yahweh alone is the true and living God who made himself known to Israel and he wills to be known to the ends of the earth, then our mission can contemplate no lesser goal. What are we doing to make his name known? Is his name exalted in our homes? We won't be able to expect our children to be able to take His name to the ends of the earth if we don't exalt Him in our homes. Do we use His name in public to bless Him and acknowledge His goodness to us? 
Have we taken His name to work, to school, to the places we frequent? Do we, the church, carry His name beyond the safety of our sanctuaries? Have we taken His name into our community? Have we carried His name beyond the ease of the suburbs into the inner cities? Have we given a cup of water or a warm meal in His name? Do we pray for those who have borne His name in difficult places and suffered for it? Do we give so others may hear His name in their language? Do we send so the unreached will utter His name in acknowledgement of His grace? Oh, my friends, He has a name. And we must not be satisfied until it is declared in all the earth. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Pastor,